Welcome to episode 129 of the GameBots Podcast. I'm your host, Eric, and this is my co-host. It's Christian. On this week's episode, Christian and I are going to go over some of this week's gaming news. We both watched the movie Lawless. We have a little bit of book news as well as television news. So first, Christian, a little bit of video game news this week. Did you see Mario Kart 9 is reportedly in development? I did. It's uh, almost difficult to believe there's already been nine of these, or already been eight, I guess. The thing that is most surprising to me is basically the last Mario Kart game came out in 2014, which was Mario Kart 8, and then they just re-released on the Switch as Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, which just included the DLC and I think two new riders. So there, it has been eight years since a new Mario Kart game, which I think is unprecedented. Like, that's a really <laughs> long amount of time for a Mario Kart game to not be out. Yeah. Uh, I'm excited. I really like Mario Kart 8. I was one of the very few people who had a Wii U, and that was its highest selling <laughs> game. And I, I was one of the owners, and, and the DLC on it was good, like the tracks. They're supposed to be doing, like, some new gimmick in this one, like in 8. It was the zero gravity portions of the track or whatever so I'm, I'm curious what this one will be i also had a wii u and so i had this I, I think i got the version of it that came with this nice my favorite track i think was they did like an f-zero track in the dlc that was just so <laughs> good I, i'm legitimately excited for this one i haven't been too excited for a nintendo game and I haven't bought Mario Kart 8 Deluxe because I paid for it already, and I, I just could not justify rebuying the same <laughs> game. So I'm I'm pretty excited. I really should turn my Switch back on at some point. What's the last game you played on the Switch? Mm, Animal Crossing. Okay, so did you get caught up in the craze when it came out, like right at the start of the pandemic? Yeah, I was. Uh, I did a Zoom call with some friends of mine, and we had said that we all have Switches with Super Smash Brothers, so we should play online. And so I bought a Switch, and I bought Super Smash Brothers, and I played it one time. And then a different friend of mine was real into Animal Crossing, so I said I'll get that too, and I played that for maybe a week. But I don't think I've turned my Switch on since maybe oh, like boy. June of 2020. Oh man, so it has been a while. <laughs> Not the best of investments as far as I was concerned. In other video game news, Dying Light 2 uh, is in development. If you don't know, Dying, it's a sequel to Dying Light from 2018, which was a this interesting zombie fir- first-person zombie parkour game. <laughs> I never played it, but it had its fans. But they just released that the game's going to take roughly 500 hours to complete everything. And they did clarify this isn't like the main campaign and side quests. It's like a completionist run of the game is 500 hours, which as someone who likes to like do completionist runs and get platinums and stuff, that's just way too many hours in the game for me. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot. The most I think I put into a game like solely in, a, in like one year to platinum was it was Injustice 2. And that took me, like, 190 hours or something. I know on the podcast I kept being like, yep, still playing that game. Uh, My longest, like, time to Platinum was probably Overwatch, but I did that over a course of four years, and I I think I have, like, three or 400 hours into that. So 500 hours is just ridiculous to me. I, I don't think I would ever pick this one up. Yeah, that's insane. And finally... We got some GameStop news. Uh, They have been reported to be getting into the NFT and crypto markets, which 
I guess if you've been paying attention to GameStop for the past year, it kind of makes sense, but is also just crazy to me. Yeah, this is uh, not great. I've never really had anyone explain NFTs to me, and I don't know if I want that to happen, but they just seem dumb, and I, I don't know. Like, I'm sure if they do it, like, because some of the NFTs go for ridiculous amounts of money, but they just this just seems like a scam. Eric, what if I told you that for the low, low price of $1.3 million and 10,000 acres of the Amazon rainforest, you could own a receipt of a JPEG? Yeah, I mean... Of a monkey. Dude, the things, too, like, that I've read into them a little bit are a lot of these, you don't actually even, like, buy the right to the JPEG. You buy a treasure. Like, you basically buy, like, something in a blockchain, which is, they describe it as being, you buy, like, that explanation of where something is on a treasure map, but it's, like, you don't actually own what's where that goes to. It's just, like, a location where something is. Yeah, it's, like, imagine that you walked into the like the Louvre and you said I own the Mona Lisa when really like somewhere in the world there is a janitor's closet and if you move all the stuff on the floor there's a tiny receipt that says like I paid for the Mona Lisa but you you don't have any actual right to it yeah so we'll see how that goes I guess crypto makes more sense because crypto is I mean bigger than NFTs but with a lot of countries cracking down on it you know who knows what that I don't know enough to talk about crypto but NFTs to me at least seem like a scam and any video game company that has been getting involved with them has been just getting savaged on social media like Ubisoft did it and all their (laughs) NFT pictures were just like a terrible like they weren't even like good drawings of like military gear from one of their military games. (laughs) Yeah, the vast majority of them are just procedurally generated, and they're they they're all ugly as hell. Yeah, so we'll see how that goes. <laughs> all right, Christian. This week, you and I both watched the movie Lawless. Now, this was directed by John Hillcote, who I looked him up, and I did not recognize anything else that he actually directed. <laughs> But it is starring, it has, has a big cast. It's starring Shia LaBeouf, Tom Hardy, Gary Oldman, Mia Wasikowska, Jessica Chastain, Jason Clark, and Guy Pierce. Yeah, now I watched this in theaters when it was out, and I really, really liked this movie. So I was excited when I saw that it was on Netflix. I was curious what made you pick it. I remember seeing previews for this back in 20, was it 2012, 20, 2011, somewhere yeah, around there? Yeah, 2012 sounds right. So, but I never got the chance to watch it. My biggest question is, I pulled some trivia on this one, and I think it's hilarious because I, so Shia LaBeouf just seems to be a director's nightmare or a cast nightmare every movie he's in. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So we talked about Peanut Butter Falcon on this one, and he was apparently so bad in that one, the one actor who had Down Syndrome pulled him aside and was like, you are ruining my only chance at this, do not do that, and like he cleaned up his act. But on this one, Shia LaBeouf apparently drank moonshine in order to gain as authentic of an appearance as possible. He gained 40 pounds for the role. Oh, my God. And by his own admission, his, his drinking and overaggressive attitude uh, caused his co-star Mia Wasikowska to try and leave the film. And he also admitted that Tom Hardy, who maintained his sobriety throughout the shoot, had a better performance. Oh, my God. 
There's one scene, dude. The scene when he's in church sweating. I was like, Shia LaBeouf <laughs> is drunk right now. <laughs> and it's great about Tom Hardy's performance because I'm going to say 80% of his dialogue is just wordless grunts. Dude, Tom Hardy, I really like him. But a lot of the early things that, I guess, the time period when I became aware of him when he was like Bane... Like, everything I see is him just making noises or not actually talking like he has a mask <laughs> on or something. Oh, God. But, uh, yeah, but so, I think... Sorry. So, yeah, the, the plot of this movie is essentially just prohibition is in effect, and this, this family of three brothers are, like, the biggest, baddest moonshiners in Franklin County, and they are, like, looking to start exporting, I guess, to Chicago. And so they start, like, rubbing elbows with this big gangster and also with some, like, local law enforcement and, I guess, like, genuinely extremely corrupt law enforcement and, like, attorneys. Christian, this is what I, I did not follow because Virginia is not near Chicago. I don't know why every gangster was coming in from Chicago to rural Virginia. Like, that's a pretty long way. It would have made more sense if they were, like, from New York to me. Yeah. But Chicago, and they made such a big deal in this about getting over the county line, which made me believe that they were just making money by giving uh, moonshine to just other counties. Like, did I completely misunderstand that? I'm, no, I don't think they really go into, like, what the importance of the county line is. At least I, did, I didn't really understand it. I mean, I think that's where their local sheriff's jurisdiction would end. But, yeah, I never understood the entire county thing because they had a state, like, attorney general, like, special investigator for the attorney general. Like, he would have jurisdiction outside of the county. <laughs> Unless it was, like, into another state. I, I don't know. <laughs> I will I will openly admit I have little knowledge about pro like the prohibition area. I've never really paid attention to it. The only thing I've ever wondered is how bad was like how rampant was out like the alcoholism in America that they actually passed a constitutional amendment to ban alcohol. Like that's a big deal. Yeah, I don't know. I I feel like it was and again, I I don't know all the history, but I feel like a lot of it was like a whole bunch of like morality politicians got elected all at once and they were like drinking is against you know good morals so we should just get rid of it i think some of that but i do know like drinking was a huge problem for like laborers because they would get their paycheck at the end of the week and then they would go blow it all so then they would come home and their families would have no money <laughs> right so I, I do like i know it wasn't everyone who was doing that but i do know that that's the one thing I do remember being a huge issue, but it still blows my mind that there's a constitutional amendment on that one. <laughs> <laughs> Went about as well as anyone could have expected. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it really did uh, stoke organized crime. And in this one, we get to see, what is it, Floyd Banner, who I don't think is a real gangster, or he was based on another gangster. I, I didn't I didn't know that part, but... Uh, it is inter- it was interesting to see because this is uh, loosely based on a true story. I don't know how much of it is fabric like elaborated on or fabricated for the movie. So I think they try and give a pretty accurate representation of at least the author who did this. His grandfather was Shia LaBeouf's character. His recollections of everything. Uh, I really like the set design and everything in this though. 
Yeah, it looked great. I thought that was awesome. Also, uh, one of my favorite parts of the movie was the that they were they used moonshine as gasoline at one point, which made me think that they should not be drinking this moonshine. <laughs> yeah, that that made me take a, a minute to think like, hmm. Is it just that the engines weren't as finicky back then, or is this legitimately fuel? That's what I was wondering, where it's just like, could you imagine today if you're like, hold on, let me get a bottle of Everclear and pour it into the tank and let's go. I also found it fascinating that the gas tank was underneath the, the driver's seat. You had to get out and like move the seat forward and you could pour stuff right into the tank from there. Yeah, just the car design over the past... 80 years has really changed (laughs) i think my favorite moment from this so uh there is like a running thing in this that there's a legend about these brothers that they're unkillable because the tom hardy's character the oldest brother has survived like so many near-death experiences right he survived the war and then he survived the spanish flu yeah and then he gets his throat cut and he survives that and they say that he walked like six miles to the hospital from his his house with his throat cut and like he's such a he's such like a crazy tough guy and at the end it's revealed that jessica chastain found him and drove him to the hospital and he's sitting there and he said i didn't walk i was sure i walked (laughs) she's like you believed your own story I did really like that point. Christian, it wasn't six miles. It was 20 miles. Oh, 20 miles. My <laughs> they bad. said, because they like kind of mentioned that at first. I was like, I thought they said like he walked 20 minutes and then someone <laughs> repeated it. And it was like 20 miles. I was like, I was like, how is that possible? So I'm glad that they, the thing I like about this movie is everything that didn't line up. They at least threw in a, they had a throwaway line somewhere that explained how this happened because I was like, there's no way with the amount of blood that guy lost in the snow. Like, he passed out. There's no way he walked 20 miles. And then she's like, I drove you. And his response is, oh, I blacked out. I thought I did it. She's like, no, you moron. I'm sure I walked. You you did not do that. I also like that you get to see, like, the legend growing in real time. Because you you hear somebody say that, like, oh, Forrest walk 20 miles to the hospital and then like 10 minutes later you hear somebody else say like oh yeah that's the guy that walked 20 miles to the hospital with his head cut clean off <laughs> right yeah oh man i mean you do get to see him survive <laughs> multiple times in this because you're like oh this guy's going to die and oh, then so many he times. just keeps not dying which is i don't know i, I did enjoy that I thought for sure, like, I was really surprised when they slit his throat. I was like, oh, wow, they are killing him 45 minutes in. <laughs> Guess again. Uh, so I had mentioned they, like, explained some of the throwaway line stuff. Uh, so one of the things that got me was um, Rakes, who was, like, the special counsel investigating them, randomly just found Shia LaBeouf in their super secret hideout, which really bugged me because I was like, Shia LaBeouf's supposed to be driving like the fastest car in the county, so there's no way they could like follow him. Mm-hmm. But they did explain that one of the moonshiners sold him out to uh sold uh Channing Tatum not Channing Tatum. Um <laughs> God. Sold Tom Hardy and his brothers out, which I was like, okay, I'm glad they put a throwaway line in there because I was like, no way this guy found them. He's right. he's a real dandy. <laughs> yeah, 
Guy Pierce looked insane in this movie. Oh, he had a, such a good performance. Yeah, I thought he was, he was he was great, but like he had a middle part that right. went the entire way back his scalp and like he had like probably a half inch of scalp showing in the middle of his head. It was crazed. I mean, he's one of those things where everyone was basically like, I don't like you. And he's like, yeah, you should. It like no one does. <laughs> uh, he was, uh, he was a good villain. Um, yeah. One thing that I couldn't believe is at the end when they had like 20 moonshiners shooting at him, none of them like hit a shot on him, but he was able to hit like Forrest and Shia LaBeouf with three of his shots <laughs> while like running away. He's a good shot. I guess so. They were all they were all drunk on their own moonshine. I mean, honestly, Christian, the amount of moonshine <laughs> these people were, they were drinking literal mason jars of just straight liquor. Yeah, I truly believe if they had drank that much moonshine, they would have gone blind. Yeah, it's it's quite a lot. There's an entire subplot on this of Shia LaBeouf courting a girl too, who's like from a super religious household, which. I get why it happens. It's because, like, they're telling the story of their grandfather, but it does not fit in this movie at all, other not than to really. have someone narrating. <laughs> yeah. It was weird. Um, Dane DeHaan is in this as, uh, like, Shia LaBeouf's best friend. Oh, and yeah. I thought he did a pretty good job. I have difficulty seeing him as much other than Valerian and the second Green Goblin. Uh, but he was good in this. I, I was pleased with his performance. Uh, him getting murdered really upset everyone in town. Really but did, not, yeah. Not enough for the police to arrest the murderer, though. <laughs> no. When they actively knew who killed him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, like the sheriff shows up at their house and they were like, uh, yeah, Guy Pierce did it. Uh, he's got us, he's, st- he's still got us working for him. Like, uh, okay. This is one of those things, again, where I'm just like, was backcountry Virginia or whatever these areas really so corrupt that, like, if you had some sort of power, you could just literally openly murder someone and the police would not arrest you? Uh, yeah, probably. <laughs> I mean, I guess I guess mob justice makes more sense if you're dealing with that sort of justice system, yeah. but... Like, even the police were like, oh, God, I can't believe he did it to the guy, but our hands are tied. (laughs) I also like that there was, like, a weird subplot within the courting subplot where it was just about Shia LaBeouf buying, like, better suits and cars. every Every time he showed up at her place, it was like, hey, check out this fancy new suit, and look, I've got a car that goes, like, 30 miles an hour. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. I mean, he must have been making a ton of money from the moonshine business, and honestly, I kind of wish they would have explored it more, like, when alcohol became legal again, like, two or three years after this movie had taken place. What did all these guys do for jobs? They said Howard got a job at a mill, which makes sense, but, like, what was Shia LaBeouf and Tom Hardy doing? Because, like, Tom Hardy also ran, like, the town's only restaurant and possibly boarding house. Yeah, it was, like, a gas station. Yeah. I will say, I think Tom Hardy was my favorite performance in this, though. Even though most oh, yeah. of it was grunting, I liked his character the most. He, he made it work. It was it was fun. It was, like, indifferent. Like, he'd get into an argument, and then somebody would say something, and he'd be done with it, and he'd just go, like, hmm, and kind of walk back into his house. 
Or to be like Howard and you'd see a drunken Howard run out <laughs> and beat the crap out of everyone in this movie who had guns. Yeah. Yeah, I did really enjoy this movie. I think it held up even from like having not watched it for probably eight or nine years. Yeah. Jai LaBeouf in this, I think half his scenes was a, going, a gun being pointed at his face. It's true. He got the crap beat out of him a lot. <laughs> so much. Uh, anything else you want to talk about on this one, Christian? I also just like when you get like old time movies like this, you get to see how like inflation worked. And I guess this did kind of take place during the depression era because then Shia LaBeouf is selling crates of moonshine to Gary Oldman. And he's like, I'll give you $5. And they were like, holy (laughs) crap, this is the most money we've ever had. Yeah. (laughs) I, I would like somewhere just like a little blurb like they used to do for like uh, VH1 or something like five dollars would now be this much per crate. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. But yeah, it, it definitely seemed like after they struck that deal, they were making insane money. Hopefully they, they just saved it for retirement, but I don't know. I don't know <laughs> if they did. I mean, they did say they had like what? Su- they got submarine like fuel tanks or something to make moonshine in do you remember that part yeah they called them submarine stills i don't know if that's just a a type or if it actually but yeah i mean they definitely sunk a lot of money into uh expansion they certainly reinvested it it's too bad it all got blown up yeah no insurance on that either (laughs) and the way shia was burning through that money on cars i can't imagine they had much left over no and dresses and suits and cameras (laughs) Oh, man. So, Christian, do you know how this movie did at the box office? Yeah, so it had a budget of $26 million and it had a box office of about $54 million. And so, I mean, it made just about double its money back. In, uh, sorry. And based on the, uh, sorry, man. And critically, this movie got a 66% on Rotten Tomato and a 74% with the audience. So, I mean, people people like this movie. Like, it did fairly well. I do I do want to bring this up because uh, my wife asked me, and I, I wasn't paying very much attention, but, is, does she, like, Shia Bluff has allegations against him currently, right? Yes, I believe so. Okay. I was curious, like, because, again, every movie he seems to be on just seems to kind of be a disaster. Or not a disaster, but you hear stories about him Sort of being crazy. Like, uh, his most recent one, didn't he get, like, a full back tattoo? Oh, God, I hadn't heard that. Did you see that? I think he was playing, like, a cholo or something. And instead of, like, getting a fake one, he went all out and got, like, a full back tat for the movie. Which is crazy to me because you can totally just get, like, a fake one put on every day that oh, you need easily, it. yeah. Oh, man. He's one of the, he's one of the actors who... I really liked him as Lewis Stevens, and I've liked him in certain <laughs> things that I've seen him in. Like, I liked him in Peanut Butter Falcon. I've liked, you know, I liked Holes and all that, but he... I liked him in the, his appearance of the Shia LaBeouf music video. <laughs> <laughs> but he is he is out there, man. Yeah, I... Uh, it's uh, he's, he's definitely one of the wilder ones. Who do you think has the worst track record... Former Nickelodeon stars or former Disney stars? Ooh. That's tough. Probably former Disney stars. I would guess that too, but I'd also say they probably have the greater successes. Uh, 
But Disney does have Drake Bell, who changed his name to Drake Campagna. It's like tried to avoid, I think, pedophile, like statutory rape charges or something recently and somewhere. Did you see that? Yeah, that wasn't great. I do yeah. remember that. So oof, I, I would really love to get a tally of like <laughs> all the problematic like former child stars and where they are now. Like Nickelodeon has Amanda Bynes. Wasn't she doing pretty bad for a while? Probably still is. I haven't heard heads or tails of her in a long time. Have not either. All right, and now time for the book segment of the podcast. Uh, Christian, I watched. Um, this is <laughs> relates to actually movies and television, movies too. But uh, there was like a twentieth anniversary of the Harry Potter series like retrospective released on um hbo max that had a bunch of the old the cast and stuff in it to talk about filming the movie so i had watched that uh which was interesting because i watched the first three harry potters over like thanksgiving break um and so much had happened that i forgot about it but it made me think more about jk rowling so i looked her up she apparently has written a crime novel series which i think also got her in trouble for um (laughs) but we don't have to get into that but the, I guess her crime novels are being adopted for a television series. <laughs> I hadn't seen that. I, I've also been thinking about J.K. Rowling recently uh, because of the Harry, Harry Potter 20th anniversary special. Uh, my favorite thing that happened in that special is they only show her on screen for, I think, like seven minutes. Cause they were, yeah, and it's from 2019. Too. Yeah, they, they were trying, I guess, desperately to distance themselves as much as possible from like the originator of, of this entire situation which is crazy in just on its face that they had to do that um but the uh the, the best part was every time that she was interviewed it a little thing like popped up at the top of the screen that said this interview was from or like filmed in 2019 or something which they did with no one else so it was like they they said how little can we put her in this and also how can we make it painfully clear that like this was from a while ago yeah so did you watch that i watched parts of it yeah okay we can actually talk a little bit about that then since it's bookish related um i think why they did that for hers i don't think they i think they interviewed everyone else i don't think they interviewed her so that was kind of a cya um i'm legitimately surprised they didn't get her on there like i know she has had some comments that have upset a lot of people and she's been like feuding on twitter but also it's like she's an integral part to that series like it's so weird that they just ignored her entirely yeah i guess i i guess the hbo and uh fox were just desperate or not i guess not not fox um yeah i guess hbo and warner brothers were just desperate to like distance themselves from her and her controversies as much as possible i will say i never actually knew her first name and a lot of the people in there kept being like oh joe rolling and i was like is yeah. my first name joe <laughs> yeah that's surprised me uh I, re- I actually ended up enjoying that way more than i thought i would because i finally got to see all the directors behind those roles mm-hmm. um and they explained some of their decisions, which I totally did not agree with some of them. Like, uh, the last guy was like, yeah, I want to get a scene where Harry jumped off of uh, this castle with Voldemort. And 
you know, like we want to see them intertwined with each other because of like their closest. So I was like, okay, like I get that thematically, but also it just looks dumb when Harry's like, come on, Tom, let's finish this. And he, like he just jumps off a building with it. Yeah. And then he turns into like a snake Harry Potter for a, a second. Yeah. And also that the one director like definitely was like, I love that we did that dancing scene <laughs> for the Goblet of Fire that wasn't in the book. And I was like, that scene was terrible. It was probably funny behind the scenes. <laughs> but like for a movie, that scene was still just bad. Yeah. Uh, I also I also really like to hear the behind the scenes stuff that everyone was just crushing on everyone else. <laughs> I mean, it's, I, yeah, I guess that's not super surprising to me. Like, you get a tight-knit group like that together for, God, like, what, probably... Seven years? Yeah, I mean, that's seven years of just... Like, seven years in, in like, movie time. Like, is, is that how long it was for filming? Like, I was thinking it was going to be, like, maybe 10 or 10 or 12. You know, it, I mean, it actually is more than seven because there are, what, eight... No, there's seven movies. Eight movies. Yeah. There's eight movies? Yeah. Six, five, six, seven. You're right. So eight movies. So, I mean, you're at least eight years of filming of that then. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just that environment is going to generate stuff like that constantly. Uh, one of my favorite stories they told, though, was Richard Harris was the first Dumbledore, right? Mm-hmm. Did you hear the part where they're like, Oh, like Fox the Phoenix from 2 was like an animatronic bird and he came in and was like, it's amazing how well trained, how how well they train these birds now. <laughs> and someone was like controlling it. So they were like having it like move and react to him. And he never realized it was like a fake <laughs> animatronic bird. That's awesome. Which I thought was amazing. I always liked, I, I, I miss Alan Rickman. It's, it's really a shame that he didn't get to be a part of this. Um, but I always like the stories that he used to tell on late night television about the behind the scenes stuff about, uh, I think it was in Goblet of Fire maybe. And it was Snape and Dumbledore walking through the, like the hallway and there were a bunch of students in sleeping bags and somebody had put a fart machine in one of them. And so they were, they kept trying to get takes and somebody off camera kept hitting the button to like make these terrible <laughs> fart noises um, and then he said he was walking around set one day and, and like they were filming and he stopped at Ron's desk and Ron had drawn like a really unflattering picture of him. <laughs> and so uh, I, I think Rupert Grint told that story on a late night show at one point, like I, I drew a really terrible picture of Alan Rickman and he was like walking around in potions class and he looked down and saw it and took it. He's like, I thought I was going to be in so much trouble. And then there's another interview where Alan Rickman was like, oh, I love it. I still have it somewhere. <laughs> That's funny because, like, I guess the part that I have forgotten because I was basically the age of all these actors when these were being released. Right. So when you're filming those first movies, they're, like, 10 and 11 recording these. Like, 10, yeah. 11, 12, which is crazy because I recently rewatched them and they're fun enough, but it's also, like, yeah, these are not like the performances I remember in my head now <laughs> right. that I've seen more movies. But it's still amazing, like what they got out from like the cat, like the just the number of kids and the the fact that they pretty much cast everyone so well, and that those people signed on for eight years. Like they had mentioned that you know there might never be something like this again, and I kind of agree. Other than the MCU, 
which every one of those characters aren't in every movie. Like, there's eight movies with largely the same cast. The only replacements I can think of are Dumbledore because Richard Harris died and either Crab or Goyle switches, like, in the last two movies. Yeah, because he went to prison for something. Yeah, so, I mean, the great great job to them. But I, I would also make, make the point that great job to them on, like, a, a couple other points because with the exception of Crab or Goyle going to prison, like, the adult team that was on there, I mean, we were just talking about who has the bad track record, Disney or Nickelodeon kids. Like, this is an enormous set of children who grew up like under constant stress in this industry now on these movies which were like universally watched it's, it's, it's like on the level of star wars and like none of them really like went off the rails in the way that a lot of the disney and nickelodeon kids ended up doing so i don't know what kind of an environment they fostered on that set but like they did it right Right, the most you saw is like Daniel Radcliffe just did a bunch of weird movies and plays. Like he went, he basically became an indie actor. Right after this, but I mean, it's not like he was ever in trouble or anything. Yeah, and it's, it's I I find that really impressive looking back. That really kind of one out of this enormously large cast of ostensibly children who grew up with this, like didn't kind of spun out, and that that feels that feels like statistically rare. Also, what I have just completely forgotten or not paid attention to because I haven't seen these in so long, and I, I want to try and finish watching the rest of them at some point. Uh, the the cast they got for this, like for the adults, is ridiculous. Oh, with yeah. the actors they got in there, there are so many people. Yeah, and like all like quality act, like it's kind of crazy, honestly. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just one of those things that. I don't know. Like when I watch these movies, I didn't pay attention to who any of the actors were. Much like the kids when they were talking, they're like, "Oh, like we weren't starstruck by anyone around us because we didn't know <laughs> yeah, who they were." We were eleven. Uh, no, think... I I will always remember a story that Richard Harris told to be in the first one, and he he hadn't even heard of Harry Potter when they asked him, and he said he said something to his family like, "Oh, Warner Brothers came and asked me to be in this movie about wizards," and it was his granddaughter who was like, "If you don't take this role, I am never going to speak to you again." A lot of the actors actually had that story where they were like, "Yeah, I hadn't heard like Gary Oldman, the guy who played Peter Pettigrew. Uh, I forget who played Voldemort, but that guy." They were all basically like, I'd never heard of it or like, I was tangentially aware of it. Mm-hmm. But they're like, basically our family was like, you need to take this role. This is like the biggest thing in the world right now. Yeah, and they were right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, J.K. Rowling has <laughs> also has a crime novel <laughs> that's being put on television. Oh, good for her. Yeah. She needs more money, I think. Oh, God. She's richer than the queen. She lives in a castle. The worst thing about Harry Potter, honestly, Christian, is J.K. Rowling coming back every four years and trying, or not, like, every four months, and trying to, like, append the history of it with tweets. Oh my god, it's so weird. My favorite one is just, who knows, like, no reason why this should ever have, like, the author should address this, but she's like, oh yeah, before, uh, before the toilet existed... Wizards just used to poop their pants and evaporate it away. They're like, like the poop w- in the corner and clean it up. Yeah, that was so weird. The thing is, like, people have been at the very, like, you know, indoor plumbing's a new thing. I get that. But people have not just been pooping their pants for years. Like, they at least have, like, latrines or holes or something. Yeah, there were like, systems. 
<laughs> like she's like nope but and then also like hogwarts has plumbing oh that was yeah just the weirdest because it wasn't even like this isn't she's like before indoor plumbing like she was like before outhouses like indoor plumbing was like <laughs> like i think indoor plumbing <laughs> oh my god i didn't think it's <laughs> when you're just fantastic beast take place like, <laughs> indoor plumbing would have been relatively new when that was well that's what i i was actually going to transition into now <laughs> with the uh like talking about popping her head onto twitter every couple of months and giving us another random fact that nobody asked for uh the fantastic beast 3 trailer is out and i have i have some thoughts about it <laughs> I haven't seen it. I actually like the first Fantastic Beast. Did not care for the second one, so... <laughs> That's largely how I felt. Well, they replaced Johnny Depp now. Ah, I didn't know they as, officially replaced him. Yeah, as Grindelwald. And so it's um, Mads Mikkelsen, the bad guy from Doctor Strange and from Casino Royale is the new uh, Grindelwald. And honestly, I think there's only one more movie after this. I feel like the play is just to make Grindelwald a different actor in every movie. Because <laughs> it was Colin Firth in the first one. Well, yeah. Or Colin but Farrell. Also, like, Colin Farrell. I, gu- I guess, like, Johnny Depp technically appeared in the end, but I do get what you mean. Like, that would be hilarious if it was a different person every time. Yeah, it's just... Because uh, he was, he's also appeared very briefly in one of the last Harry Potters. Yeah. I... I, like... I don't know. I don't. I'm not really excited for the third one. I like you said. I'm I'm largely the same way. I really liked the first Fantastic Beast. Didn't really care so much for the second one. It was fine. And then it's been so long that somebody recently was like, "Oh yeah, Fantastic Beast three and four. And I was like, "Wait, are they even still making those?" Yeah, I mean it's. It... It's one of those things, they should have probably just stopped at one. It didn't need to be, like, a series. Like, it was a nice one-off. Yeah, and and so, yeah, this is, like, J.K. Rowling's, like, theatrical popping up from time to time and being like, oh, yeah, Dumbledore had a secret brother, ha-ha. And then she'll, like, disappear again into her castle for a little while. Yeah. Uh, anything else on J.K.? <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, so another book news. I f- I'm still plowing through New Fifty Two stuff on DC uh, Infinite. I finished Mister Terrific's run. It's only eight issues. It's interesting because he's a superhero I had never actually heard of, even though I guess he's been around for a while. Do you know who Mister Terrific is? Not a clue. In the DC universe, he's the third smartest person in the world, which doesn't make any sense to me because he created, uh like some way to travel to what he calls like that like you create a pocket dimension and can travel interdimensionally which leads me to believe that who are the two people smarter than him but he's also just like real in really good shape and fights crime with technology like his entire thing at the new 52 is being like i don't believe in religion i believe in science it saved me and it's like to the point where it's kind of like oh boy this is like too much science talk (laughs) (laughs) um and also the stories just aren't that great and it ends abruptly but uh, he's interesting enough uh, i'm more interested by his earlier earlier runs because his new 52 run was kind of I, I don't know like i feel like the people who are writing this stuff clearly were using like comic book science jargon <laughs> right and it like showed like i think you I, I give a pass to the people in the 40s and stuff who did this because <laughs> you know whatever 
maybe for nostalgia reasons but like when you're like trying to overly explain it instead mm-hmm. of just being like oh yeah i created a spider ray <laughs> like, <laughs> it's, it's it's too much for me it's like in uh no way home when dr connor's like everything was just oh i could turn you into a lizard right like i i go with that it's like okay you can you don't have to explain it to me because one i don't know a ton about science but i know enough that i'm like it seems like you're just using buzzwords right now like i don't mm-hmm. you're not going to explain this in like an elevator pitch <laughs> but yeah so i finished that one i have 61 things left now not oh like issue God. 61 series Holy crap! the new 52 more than 52 series it's starting to sound like the book's piling up on my nightstand i am like two chapters into i think four different books right now oh man that's what's rough on reading the new 52 right now is like they uh a lot of them like intertwine so i'm just like oh god i gotta go like read the first 20 issues of this one so it's like I've read half of probably a, more than a third of these, but like I haven't finished them because I I don't know. It's like a whole thing, but yeah, it's it's been a year now. I'm hoping to get it done this year because I really <laughs> want to read the new the new stuff, but I just haven't done it. Yeah. christian and now on television just uh just one quick bit of news before we get into what we've generally been watching the boys season three is set to premiere on june 3rd 2022 now i have not watched the boys i've heard some really good things about it it's it's one of those things that is on my like stretch goals to someday watch uh (laughs) but i just haven't gotten around to it but that's a it sounds like a lot of people enjoy that one i've watched the boys do you like it i wouldn't go that far I have complex feelings about the boys. Uh, have you watched the first two seasons, or you just yeah, watched one of them? No, I watched both of them. I watched the first season, and when the second one came out, I said, I don't think I liked the first season enough to watch season two. And then I don't know what happened, but I watched season two. One day, I just did it. And, you know, I saw the season three announcement, and I thought to myself, I don't think I'm going to watch season three. But, you know... I feel like that's also a lie, so we'll see when it comes out. I'm sure I won't watch it right away, but I'll I'm, I'll probably get around to it. I don't know. I don't really like it, but I feel like I'm invested enough that just inertially I'm going to end up watching it just to see what happens. Right. Uh, so what do you like better, The Boys or The Umbrella Academy of random comic book shows? Probably Umbrella Academy. Right. It's, Interesting. It's funnier and it's not quite as like bleak and horrifying. So, other than maybe watching The Boys late <laughs> in six months, have you, have you uh, been watching anything television-wise? Uh, I watched The Dairy Girls, the first season. Uh, there's only two of them, so I'm probably going to watch season two this week, uh, later in the week. And it's it's so funny. Honestly, I, I highly, highly recommend Dairy Girls. If you haven't watched it, I think it's great. My brother, I think, played the first episode or so. Is what what uh, Who has that streaming? It's on Netflix. Okay, I think I saw the first episode with him and thought it was funny and then just never continued on with it. Yeah, it is. It, it took me probably two tries. I don't know if I just wasn't in the mood the first time, but the second time it stuck. And like, it is just about these four girls and this guy who go to a Catholic school uh, in Ireland in like the uh, probably early 80s. 
and so it's during like the Catholic Protestant conflict and so that's that's constantly going on in the background but it's really just a backdrop for the crazy antics these kids get into at the Catholic school and I yeah it's it's absolutely hilarious although I do at certain points have to watch with the subtitles on because the accents are incredibly strong I do I don't know if it's because I'm getting older but I have found I've been doing that more like I actually put on the <laughs> subtitles for out uh, lawless because <laughs> I could not understand stan tom hardy half the time uh but i also had to do I, i've been watching letter kenny on and off and oh I have yeah to do that with them sometimes because like they have such quick deliveries and, and all that the thick ontario uh, have, accent yeah have you been watching anything else uh i'm like three episodes into a buffy the vampire slayer rewatch so that'll probably be my like uh like cooking cleaning show that I'm going to be powering through again. I, I always have something that I've watched a million times on in the background while I'm doing like housework. So it's probably going to be Buffy now. I haven't watched it in, I'm going to say probably like five years, but I'm sure I've seen it the whole way through at least two or three times. Um, so I'm, or I guess I finished and I'm starting season two is, uh, there's a show on HBO called how to with John Wilson that I absolutely love. It's just this like, quirky weird documentary series where this guy just has it seems like he's filmed everything in the past 10 years of him living in new york because while he's explaining he just like uses these random cuts away where you're like why does he have picture like why does he have film of this uh and it's just him around new york and it's random things it's like how to make small talk and then it's just just goes from there and it's it's really funny i highly suggest anyone who hasn't seen it to watch it i i i would have put it on my best of 2021 but i ended up starting it like right after midnight on new year's eve (laughs) so just missed the window yeah it's really good speaking of hbo shows uh and stuff that's still kind of forthcoming um peacemaker starts in like three days Yes, I want. I'm excited to watch that because I love John Cena's Peacemaker and Suicide Squad. Yeah, I'm interested to see where they take it. This is like the first kind of tele, uh, movie television crossover they've had, isn't it? I think so. Yeah. DC is going to be so interesting to me because they don't like Marvel is like a very clear set plan, and DC just seems to be we're going to throw it at the wall and see what sticks at this yeah, point. They chopped it all up. Yeah, I it's. Uh, I don't know how much Flash you've watched. Uh, the CW Flash. Yeah, none. That was like on my long list of shows to watch because, but I like made it like two and a half seasons into Arrow and was kind of like, I think I'm done with CW shows. I'm too old for them. <laughs> That's pretty much where I was at. I watched the first season of the Flash and I, I really liked it, but I think I superheroed myself out at a certain point because I'd watched mm. a bunch of Arrow. I watched that Flash. I watched all the the Netflix Marvel shows. Yeah, all around that same time, and I was like, I can't do anymore. But I've been watching clips from the Flash, like present day episodes that are airing, and I don't know what happened. I don't know if their budget got completely slashed, but it is like watching PS2 level cutscenes. That's crazy because the Flash was really—I mean, Flash and Arrow were really, really popular at one point. Yeah, and it—it is—it's crazed they pop up on my tiktok from time to time and i'll i'll search for them on youtube and yeah there are certain points where it does genuinely look like a playstation 2 cutscene it looks horrible that's funny i need to check that out then. <laughs>
Thanks for listening, guys. If you'd like to contact us, we are at Gambots Network on Twitter, or you can email us at gambots.blog at gmail.com. Also, we have a website now if you want to check that out. That's gambotsnetwork.com. And finally, if you're listening to somewhere where you can rate and subscribe, we'd appreciate it as that does help with marketing. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Thank you. Thank you.